Welcome back to another episode of the Executive Code Podcast. And as you know, you can listen to this podcast on all your podcast channels, or you can go to YouTube and you can watch the video podcast version of it, where I'm here with Nicole. And Nicole has asked me a whole lot of questions it's for you to get more information, more knowledge, and dig deep, deep, deeper, if I can pronounce it correctly, to dig deeper into more content for you guys. All the links are in the show notes. So by all means, go to your podcast channel or go to your YouTube and by what you want to do is make sure you subscribe to each one of those so all the episodes download for yourself automatically. So, Nicole, what is the next question you have for our guys? So, Paul, the last episode we talked about to-do lists, and now I want to kind of zoom out a little bit and discuss in further detail how we should approach these to-dos you know, in our lives. So, for me personally, as a perfectionist, I sometimes put off doing certain things, whether big things or small things like going after goals and sometimes find it hard to go out of my comfort zone to try new things uh, because I don't think that I can do it perfectly the first time, even though I know that's not what it's supposed to do. So I've learned that, you know, better beats perfect. I've heard that phrase all over, but are there ways in which I can use this approach to, you know, overcome this perfectionist mindset and just, you know, get going on my to-dos and my goals that I want to achieve? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually picking on some of the language that you're using because a lot of people that are perfectionists want to get rid of being a perfectionist. So from one perfectionist to another perfectionist, because I'm too, I'm a perfectionist. It's not something I would not get rid of. I actually use it as I recognize it as one of my strengths. So what I mean by that is, so over the years, I would have been similar to yourself in terms of Oh, it's, it's a case of not being so perfect and not having everything so perfect because it causes more stress and anxiety and all the kinds of things. But now I actually view it. And when you start to view it as being one of your strengths and you start to embrace it, now it becomes an awful lot easier. So that's just one, one thing I would say in relation to people that would view themselves as being perfectionists. It's okay. Embrace it. Don't absolutely don't try and get rid of it. Because if you start to look at, okay, so what are the good things about being a perfectionist? what you'll find is that, okay, so you're good at planning. You build a better reputation for yourself. You're good at client delivery or what it is that you're doing. You want to constantly strive in, in your case, Nicole. And let me, I'll, I'll turn the question back on yourself in terms of how do you find it beneficial for yourself being a perfectionist? But it being a pilot, you want to perfect how you are as a pilot. So that's how perfectionism can work for us. You're, you're more organized. So all those kind of things when we start to look at the benefits of perfectionism, well, then that's where we got to start, start with, first of all. Now, I'm going to go into another little piece in terms of, okay, so to answer some of your questions in terms of, well, how do you deal with not trying new things and all that kind of things? But how do you feel, Nicole, in terms of where do you see it as being a benefit in your life as being a perfectionist? So, you know, with flying, it's both an art and a science. That's the beauty of it, I think. And the perfectionist part comes in when say you're trying to hold a particular altitude or follow a specific course. The the thing that, you know, gets to me is when I go overboard and then now I'm chasing these numbers, right? Because three, like a 180 heading is different from a 181 heading. <laughs> and then, you know, the perfectionist in me comes out and says, you know, I'm, I'm off by one degree, you know, you should be back, you know, on, on the correct heading. So that I'm I'm not sure if that's where it crosses into being OCD <laughs> from you because that's a very thin line, I think. And so I think what I'm trying to get rid of instead is that 
that part where I have to chase a specific uh, number, well, in terms of flying, specific heading, a specific altitude, because I think I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it perfect. But the thing is, I'm doing it as best I can. And, you know, in the conditions and the circumstances and, and the weather I'm in. Yeah. So I don't want to focus so much on chasing that number, uh, even though I'm off by a little bit, because I know that it's already it's already really good. It may not be perfect 100 percent, but, you know, it's, it's good enough and enough that, uh, you know, it does not that one one degree off or like 10, 10 feet off of altitude does not affect does not really have an impact on anything because, you know, we're not flying formation here or anything in, in fighter jets, right? So <laughs> maybe 10, 10 feet might be, might be a lot <laughs> if you're, you're not like the red arrows or something, but uh, not my kind of flying. Not <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd say to you on, on that one, but you're, you're right. Okay. So there, there's times where it can be, it can be an annoyance. All right. What you want to look at is, so you got to ask yourself, okay, so where is it actually affecting your life? The first part is, you got to embrace it as being a strength and it is absolutely a strength. There's people that are completely disorganized that don't have a perfectionist streak and they look at people that are perfectionists and they envy those people. So it's a case of, you know, sometimes the, the, the grass is always greener on the other side, but when we look at what it is, our strengths, first part of all, our first thing that we got to look at is they are strengths for ourselves. So that's one thing. But the next question then you're going to ask yourself, okay, so where is it actually affecting you in your life? So if it's causing stress or anxiety from the perspective of, well, if you're one degree off, you're 10 feet off altitude, well, then is the, do you get a little bit more anxious or um, concerned and worried now? Because And therefore that becomes not so much an enjoyable flight, but then it's case, okay, so how can that be turned around? All right. How could you make it again? But it may not be relevant right now in the type of flying that you're doing right now. But if you were, for example, to do the red arrows, well, then it would actually become highly important from that perspective. So you could consider yourself as being in training right now at the moment for what you might do later on. I'm just saying, (laughs) but that's one thing. When it starts to become where it's impacting on you or on on an individual personally or mentally, it's a case that now you, we, we, we've got to break it down because think of it from a pendulum perspective. When our pendulum is in equilibrium, that's when we're in complete flow. So we don't necessarily have to think about what it is that we're doing. We just naturally do it anyway. And we're in the zone for one better word. That's when our pendulum is in equilibrium. When it's not in equilibrium, well, then that's when it can start to cause us problems. So when we see it as being that it's affecting us or we're getting fearful or we're getting anxious or we're getting annoyed with ourselves, well, then it's, it's going to look at it from that perspective. But now it's a case of, well, how do we start to dissolve some of those elements? And some of them may be, okay, we've got to raise the bar, we've got to lower the bar. So you might, for example, yourself, Nicole, in, in given the example that you gave, is that, well, may change our expectations from the perspective of what's a tolerance level that would be acceptable to be in plus or minus from an altitude perspective and also from a degree perspective. Do you, do you follow what I mean? So you might say, well, look at anything within 10, 50 feet is acceptable. So if you're maintaining your flight within that range, plus or minus, well, then that's fine. So now that starts to become, you're lessening your, your expectation, but you're lessening the, the anxiety that you would have around that side of things. For other people, with, where I'll see it, where the pendulum is so farly swung out, is that they're looking at a fantasy 
versus actual reality. So they're looking at, so take, take some, somebody that is, wants to find a partner, but their partner is, the checklist that they have for that partner is literally the perfect human specimen you could ever possibly get. And that's the checklist, and that's, that's the bar that they have, that's the expectation that they have. But that may not perhaps be reality. So now it's a case of there's some things that you want to look at. That's how do we actually look at the reality and from our expectations point of view and start to say, okay, so what is it that we want to bring into our life from that side of things? There's a phrase that I will have used in the past. I don't necessarily use it anymore, but it's a phrase that I would have used in the past. And that's good enough is good enough. So it's not about getting to perfection. It's about perfecting. So if you take it from the perspective of anything that you're doing in life, whether it be, whether it be flying, well, then if you're flying a particular course at a particular altitude, at a particular degree, all the kinds of, and you've got all the measuring instruments, and again, how your brain works and how my brain works, we're very, very analytical. So numbers will be everything to us. So when, we're, when you're looking at those dials, you're measuring everything from, from that perspective, and you want to maintain it from that side of things. But where I'm saying to you in relation to having a tolerance, well, then that's now where you're, you're bringing in an element of good enough is actually good enough. It depends on where you want to bring your expertise to. If you wanted to bring it from the perspective of that light that you wanted to fly with the red arrows, for example, well, then, yes, that level of perfection will be absolutely needed. So, therefore, it's about how can you perfect that ongoing as opposed to reaching perfection. Do you follow what I mean by that? I think as a, as a perfectionist or, you know, well, for me, it's just hard to, to sometimes accept that nothing is or can be 100% perfect. But uh, I'm, I'm glad the flight exam on the flight examinations, you know, the examiners realize that. So at least in the in the U.S., uh, the Federal Aviation Authority, the FAA, the official legal uh, requirement for, you know, holding altitude, for example, is plus or minus 50 feet because they realize that there is there has to be some, you oh. know, tolerance of plus or minus, uh, you know, 50, because if if not, I, I don't think any pilots would be flying because <laughs> none of us would be able to get our certificates. <laughs> so, you know, there, there is definitely that, that acknowledgement that there has to be some sort of leeway given. And yeah. I think the hardest part is giving that to yourself. Yeah. So, you know, that's like a huge aspect of, you know, being going towards not perfection, but getting the process of getting to perfection, as you say. It's, it's getting to perfection as opposed to having everything perfect at, at, at that moment in time. Yeah. Where, where you find perfectionism holds a lot of people back is, and you refer to it earlier on in terms of where we may not perhaps maybe start something new or we'll delay doing different things. Now you're getting into procrastination as opposed to perfection. And that's the slight difference. So procrastination is where we, we, we put things off and we put it on long finger because we either just don't want to try something new or we don't want to tackle it. But one thing that you've got to understand is that, and people don't, don't, don't really know this until, until they realize it, motivation follows action. So you can sit there as, as long as you want and try and motivate yourself in order to do the task that you want to get done. So whether it be, for example, getting a study manual or passing a particular um, an examination or whatever it be, you can motivate all you like but also such times you start taking action, that's when motivation actually starts. 
if you understand what I mean. So rather than trying to motivate in your mind, the easiest thing, the absolute easiest thing is to take the first step, take the, fir- take the first piece of action. And that might be just opening the book in terms of an examination. Or if it's a task you got to get done, it's literally just getting, getting into it, getting stuck into it and starting the process of it as opposed to keep putting on the long finger. Motivation follows action. I cannot, cannot emphasize that enough. Yeah, I find that when I, you know, even if I'm watching a, a TV series, for example, if it's in the middle of the of the show and I start watching it for like five minutes and then all of a sudden I want to watch the whole thing, right? Yeah. So I think it's the, same, it's the same thing with, with you know, getting something off your TV list. Just, you know, start and uh, do like five minutes of it. Even, even if you don't feel like doing it, just do five minutes and you'll feel like you want to finish it now because now you've started, right? And uh, you're, you're in that flow and... You just want to get it done and because, you know, you're already so far in. Might as well get it done. Exactly. Exactly. T- timelines work as well. So if you've got a deadline, so I, I, let me ask you, if you had an examination, there was a date in the diary that you had to have that examination done by for, for your pilot's license and so on. Well, then I can rest assured that you might not do anything better for the first few months, but then closer to it as the timeline started to loom. You, you, you probably put everything into gear in order to actually get to attempt that particular exam. So timelines work really, really well. And if there's a way that you can, you know, either with a coach or a mentor or somebody that you're, you're trying, it depends on what you're trying to achieve, that you've got an accountability partner that you're committing to getting something done by your particular timeline. That also helps for, for people to move on. It all starts with where, where is it that you find perfectionism actually holds you back? And then we start to drill into that and say, okay, so how is it actually impacting us? And then what do we need to do to actually dissolve it? Perfection in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Nicole. You mentioned accountability. And I think that's super important because, you know, when you have, for example, an examination, that's an external deadline, right? So you're probably going to be in a lot of trouble if you don't, if you don't (laughs) meet it. But for example, like a big goal that you have, that it's like, a personal deadline. It's an internal deadline. Yeah. That's where it can be harder to keep yourself on task. And so, you know, accountability comes in. You need someone to to kind of hold you uh, responsible for what you plan to do. Because yeah. otherwise, your deadline's just going to keep shifting. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just your deadline. You're you're not gonna. No one's waiting for you know something from you. Yeah. In that sense, it's it, it's funny. It's funny you mention that because. One of the things that we do in in the pilots lounge within our community is that at the start of the month, everybody has to go around the table and say, "Okay, what are they committing to getting done by the end of the month?" And that's that's their accountability. That that's where they're committing to themselves, but also commit to everybody else that's in the pilots lounge, saying, "This is what I'm going to get done by the end of the month." And lo and behold, the vast majority will get it done by the end of the month, if not well well in advance of before the end of the month. Accountability is, is a huge thing. And timelines look work from, from from that perspective as well. And that's the great uh, feature of you know ha- being part of this community, right? The yeah. executive, the executive code community, because even if you can't find anyone, <laughs> one <of them. laughs> right? One of them. So you know, even if you can't find anyone at work or at home who can who has the time or you know just isn't there to to help keep you accountable, you have this community online, and you meet every week. Is it free? Is that is that the paid one? Yeah, That's the paid. We we have one which is a which is a a free one, and then there's a paid one. So yeah, the pilots lounge is a paid one because mm-hmm. that's, that's where we're working on business mastery. Yeah, the executive lounge is where we're working on uh, personal mastery, 
And then we have the weekly mastermind meeting, and that's a free mastermind meeting that anybody can join. And that's great because you go around the table as well, and everyone talks about you know themselves and what they're working on yeah. and what they can achieve. And then everyone just chimes in with ideas and exactly, yeah, and right, yeah. So there, there's a huge amount of power in masterminds, absolute huge amount of power. So from a professionalism perspective, yeah, it it helps greatly. Let's put it that way to get everybody else's support and encouragement in terms of what it is that you want to actually achieve. Very good. So have I answered your question around perfectionism? I think I had one little, one more little question. So I think my biggest issue personally now is I plan, I plan a lot. (laughs) I think I overplan. The hard part comes when I'm actually trying to follow like a timetable. So, you know, I usually plan out, plan out my day. Like I want to do this at 9am, this at 10am. Then next day comes and I realize that I've slept in. So, <laughs> so and all of those plans were useless. And, yeah. and it definitely uh, sets me back because now I think I'm behind and it it's harder to get started on something when you think you're already behind, I feel. Yes. So do you do you have any um you know advice on that? Is it just a discipline issue? Should I just you know be be tougher on myself or no, absolutely. Uh, it's not a case of being tougher on yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> By the sounds of it, you're already talking on yourself as it is. What you want, if you go back to our previous episode, whereby it's coming up with your to-do list and say, okay, so what are the three things I want to get done the following day or in a day? Rather than trying to plan out every half hour or every hour, because at the end of the day, life happens and things come into our periphery that we got to deal with. And every plan that we've had needs to be thrown out the window. So on one of the episodes, it's gone back now a couple of bit, um, it was the bridging episode between our audio podcast to video um, podcast. I explained a scenario whereby, and I described it from the perspective of in two months of August and September, it's like as if all the plans that I had that I wanted to get, things that I wanted to get achieved, is like as if somebody came along to my game of chess and pick up the board and threw all the pieces in the air. And they all landed at completely different squares. And some new ones, new pieces landed and some, some of the other pieces didn't land on the board at all. And here's the thing about it. We can all create our plans, but we plan and God laughs because life happens. So the best thing or the best advice I can give is from a practical perspective, it's looking at your top three things. What's, your, what's the three things that you want to achieve in a day? The next thing, as, as, as what I said, is that, you know, one of, one of the things that I do as part of my morning is just, I do, just do it naturally at this stage, is that I just check in, okay, so is there, what is it that I need to do today that's going to get me closer to what it is that I want to achieve? So that's me checking in with the unconscious, is checking me, me checking in with the universe from that perspective, what is that I want to get done? But one of the biggest lessons that I find with enough, and I have to learn this lesson myself is that you've got to let go. And the more you let go, well, then the more you can actually be in flow. And everybody wants to get to a point whereby they're actually in flow. Because when you're in flow, everything changes. Everything goes with you. Now, are you going to face challenges? Of course you're going to face challenges. Having, having a life that doesn't have any, any challenges, that's a fantasy. So they, they don't exist. That's in a novel. It's not in reality. The more you actually learn to let go, and that will also help from a perfectionism perspective in the sense of actually, you know, good enough is good enough. So one of the practices maybe perhaps you could look at to develop is 
how can I let go of, well, actually good enough is actually good enough. And that will actually start to build the muscle of letting go in other areas of your life. Because honestly, the more you let go and you let yourself be guided, which is one of the key things, and you're being guided by your unconscious, the executive code is all about connecting your executive center with the unconscious and the superconscious. The more you allow yourself to be guided by the unconscious, the more you're actually going to achieve an awful lot faster and an awful lot easier. So when it comes to perfectionism or it comes to what is that you want to achieve, that's what I would say to you guys is actually just start, begin to build the muscle of letting go. What do you think of time blocking? Because I realized that when I plan, you know, to do a certain thing at 9 a.m., another thing at 10 a.m., that that rarely works out. And so do you think time blocking would be better? So if I say I'll work on, I'll do work from 9 to 11 and then whatever I, I, I feel like working on that is related to, you know, my to-do list, my top three things I should be doing during that time. Or should I just not plan it, plan and, you know, to time block at all? I, yeah. What you refer to as time blocking, I refer to as time zoning. So time zoning, no, which is the same thing. But what I mean by that is, so there's four activities that I encourage my clients to earmark out in a particular week, not necessarily in each day, but in a particular week. And if they're ticking off each one of those four elements, well, then they're moving forward in their business or, and in their life. So time zoning will be from the perspective, you break your day or your week up into particular zones. And typically they're 90 minute zones. And therefore you're doing a specific activity for those 90 minutes. And that's all you're doing, but you're blocking everything else out, meaning you're blocking all interruptions. Hence the reason why I turn off all the notifications and so on. So that's your focused attention on getting the activity that you want to set, get set done in that time zone itself. And that's the, the most productive way. Other things that I go through all this with my clients, but the other thing when you want to look at is that you want to batch activities. So think of it from this perspective. If you've got a lot of emails to respond to, if you respond to one email right now and then you leave it for a couple of hours and then you respond to another email, the science has proven that the amount of time that it takes to get back to a task is phenomenal. It's something like 25 minutes for your mind to be fully focused in what it is that you want to get done. So when you batch activities, and that's where time zoning now starts to help. So you're batching all the activities for a particular time zone, and therefore that's the activity that you do. Things you, You're an awful lot more productive. You're more efficient in doing what it is that you need to get done in that particular time zone. You mentioned four 90-minute uh, time zones. Yeah. So is that for a particular activity? Well, do, I, you'd have four 90-minute zones in a day but there will be oh, four, okay. you know, there's, there's four activities that you want to get done in a particular week so the four activities that i typically recommend is one is administration so that's all your admin tasks next is business development if you're a business owner and you're responsible for actually developing your goal in your business if it's personal you're in a you're in a career well then business development you may not have to remit for business development a lot of the people that i work with would be business owners and executives. So therefore, they would have a responsibility for business development. But you could turn that into career development. Okay. So you got administration, you got business development, you've got your client work, which is that's the that's literally the work that you're doing that's you're generating your income on. Okay. And then you got what I refer to as me time. So me time is where you're actually investing in yourself. That's self-care. So in every single week, 
you've got to have each one of those four elements. Okay. So for 90 minutes in a day, and then uh, within the week, you want to have all those four aspects. Yeah. 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 Because what happens is, for example, if you don't do, if you don't have the business development activity in a week and you go for a few weeks or a few months and you haven't done any business development activity, well, then ultimately what you're going to do is you're going to fall into a feast and famine cycle. Mm -hmm. But um, I can, I can spend like a whole day for, you know, 90 minutes zones a day doing client work, for example, if if that's my priority, right? Okay. In a week you want to be focused. You want to have all four. Yeah. And that way then what you're doing in that sense, you're, you're, you're actually batching those activities within one day, but 90 minute zones, again, the science has gone into it in terms of you got to take a break every, every, every 90 minutes, because now the mind starts to, it, it needs a break. So if that, if that's just as simple as getting a glass of water, going for a walk around the office or the neighborhood or whatever it might be and so on, it's just taking a break away from what it is that you're doing and then coming back into your next 90 minutes slot. So you recommend 90 minutes. You don't you don't like the Pomodoro method of 25 minutes, I think, and then a five-minute break, and then you repeat not that. For, like, yeah, not for a lot of the – because, again, not for a lot of the executives and business owners I work with, no. It, it just wouldn't work for them. Um, because bear in mind, by the time you get into the activity, you've, you've lost a huge amount of time actually just to get into the activity. And, again, science says it'll take somewhere between 20 to 25 minutes to actually get into an activity after – um, an interruption or after you've changed something. So if you've only got 25 minutes to your tight activity, you're only actually fully productive in the last five minutes. So know that 90 minutes zones work an awful lot better. You recommend a specific uh, minimum time between 90 minute zones, like at least five minutes or half an hour or? 10 to 15 minutes is, is ample. Um, for me, I tend to have somewhere between 15 minutes and a half an hour. It just depends on what's, what, what I'm doing throughout the day. Yeah, and what, what my zones are. Yeah. That's great. I mean, this will definitely help me plan tomorrow. Because, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've read about this um, for years and I've tried almost every technique Pomodoro, uh, trying to get in the flow. Nothing's really worked for me. So I'm going to try this and see how it works because I think it'll, it'll, it'll be better than what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, if you match that to our last episode in terms of your top three, your to do lists, and match this now with your, your time zone and your planning, you'll, 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 be, you'll be making great strides, I have to say. Awesome. I'll let you know how it goes. Cool, cool. Okay, guys, we're, we leave it there. We're trying to keep the episodes short, so we want, but on top of that, we want to get you high value in relation to the information that we're sharing. So it's absolutely brilliant that we can actually do a deep dive into particular content. We hope you found it useful. We hope you can actually get the teachings that we're sharing on this particular episode and implement into your life, into your business. If you want to find out more about the Executive Code, come join us. Go to our website, paulwilliamdavis.com. You'll find a link on the website there. That's to our community. The links will also be in the show notes. Um, come join us in the community. It's for free to join, as Nicole said. And then also, we do a weekly mastermind meeting. So come join us in the mastermind meeting. It'll give you a flavor of what we do within the actual community itself. And if you want to know more about the Executive Lounge and the Pilot's Lounge, by all means, it's, it's the best place to find out from there. And um, all the links are in the show notes. But until next time, I wish you every success.